God's words are amazing gifts. In perfection, they revive our weary spirits. In truth, they delight us. Their clarity enlightens us and leads us to wisdom. Let us hear these words with hope and anticipation. Amen. So this morning, we have two passages from Mark 1. We read just a couple of weeks ago. Um, But I will be reading it again today. But we will start with Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. So then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers... Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Our second scripture passage is chapter 9, verse 2. Now, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain... Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the living word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. Pray with me. Gracious and holy God, on the second Sunday of Lent, we are given two scripture passages that seem so opposite of one another. How do we make sense if 
these words and what they might mean for us in this season? And, and how do we understand the gospel and the good news that we see revealed through Christ Jesus? Open our hearts and our minds to hear from you today. Words that will speak truth into our lives. Words that will help us grow in grace. Words that will help us move into the world as faithful followers of you. So may the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So these texts, usually you have um, revised common lectionary is a three-year cycle where they cover about 80% of scripture, but they always give you an Old Testament passage, a psalm, a gospel text, and an epistle, which is one of the New Testament writings. But this week, it gave us two gospel texts. And as I mentioned before, they seem very contradictory to each other, don't they? That here in the first one, we hear about Jesus foretelling of his death, and we hear Peter's response. And then we hear the story of the transfiguration. How do we hold these two texts together this morning? Well, that is a question, isn't it? Sometimes we, um, we get into a position and we think, well, what's the, what's, the, what's the path that I can take from here? Or if I have a situation where I'm not completely certain, um, how do we handle that? Um, do you sit down and ponder the question or the dynamic or the situation? Um, maybe... If there's something going on in your life, do you ever sit down and and maybe journal about it and then it becomes revealed to you some truth from from that reflection? Or maybe there's a situation that's going on and you need a dialogue partner and you may go to a trusted friend or a trusted colleague and say, hey, I've got this going on and I'm not really sure what to make of it. What do you think? And then maybe that person will be able to ask questions that lead you to an answer that you may have already had but hadn't yet been made known to you. Or perhaps we have a difficult question and, and it's beyond just the norm. It's a question of faith or action. And so we bring it to the church and we say, what do I do with this? How do I make sense with this really difficult situation. And that's when we're turning to guidance to God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us understand. And, and I don't know about you all, but sometimes my kids will say things to me that I'm like, what? Like, I don't even understand what they're saying, right? I mean, not to give her, say, but a freshman at college who's explained to me how she had a roster of eight people she was in the talking stage with. Lisa Peer understands what I'm saying, but I literally had to ask my child, please translate this for me because I have no idea what you're talking about. So help me understand. Elise, do you know what this means? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so for us, it would have been like, this is the collegiate version of uh, really bizarre online dating connections, 
uh, dating, like text messaging. I think for us, it was like, can I have your number? And then maybe you would talk on the phone. Um, maybe in elementary school is, will you be my, my boyfriend? Yes or no? Check the box, right? Like, that's, that's my frame of reference, right? And I'll, anyway, so I got lost in the conversation, but I had to ask curious questions. I was like, so let me get this straight. What you're saying is this, and what you're saying is that. And I make light of this because that is, you know, real. It's happening right now. I do not understand it. And then I get this text about Jesus, right? That Jesus is super close to Peter and Jesus is telling them some pretty bizarre stuff that is so out of left field that they cannot make sense of it. That Jesus is saying that you, that I, you know, the son of man is going to, to suffer, that the son of man is going to be denied by his friends. The son of man is going to be put to shame. The son of man is going to die and in three days rise again. And it did not make sense to Peter. Do you understand? Like it did not compute. Like Jesus was speaking a language to Peter that he was like, Okay, I've been with you for a long time. I feel like I know you, but I do not understand. And instead of being in a posture of asking a curious question, hey, Jesus, can you help me understand what's going on here? What does he do? He rebukes Jesus. He condemns Jesus for saying these things because he doesn't understand what Jesus is telling him. And Jesus immediately turns around and does the same thing to Peter And and did you notice the phrase where Jesus looked at them? Do you know what I mean? Like, have you know, somebody said something to you and you just look at them like, are you kidding? Um, Has anybody ever given you that look? Or maybe you've given that look to somebody else like, you didn't just say what you just said to me. Are you sure you want to say that? Would you like to try again, rephrase that? But that look was so full of all of these things that Jesus was yet to communicate to Peter and his disciples, right? And so then Jesus is illustrating to them, okay, Satan, get behind me, because obviously this is not Peter who will understand later what this means. This is obviously a roadblock that is in place right now that is keeping you from seeing exactly what I'm asking of you. That's where we are in this season of Lent. What is Jesus asking of us? And sometimes we want to have the simple answer. Love God, love neighbor, right? Love ourselves. But putting that into practice, what does that even look like? Well, Jesus lays it out for us. Take up your cross and follow me. Meaning that you are going to pick up a cross that is a symbol of condemnation and death and persecution. That whatever it is about your life is going to have to be put to death so that you can follow me. Now, oftentimes we, 
we think that it's a I'm willing to give my life up for you kind of call. But there are other things, friends, that if we are really open and curious and in a posture of asking one another, what are those roadblocks that are truly preventing us from living faithfully as followers of Jesus? I can't answer that question for you. But we ask the question. Because we come here asking God to intercede on our behalf. We come trusting in the good news of the gospel of what Jesus is saying. That if I lose my life, I will gain it. But if I've gained my life with not the right heart and intention, then in fact I have lost my way. So right now in this place, we are getting a glimpse of what Jesus is asking of us. Take up your cross and follow me. What aspect of your life needs to be refined? What aspect of your life needs to be remolded? What aspect of your life needs to be removed so that your heart is truly open and able to be transformed by God's grace. Now, we could sit here and, and, and get mad at Peter. How many times do we get mad at Peter for doing dumb stuff? Matter of fact, I think I stood here a couple of weeks ago and told you that Peter's response to the whole event on the mountainside, that transfiguration, was because he didn't know what to say. And he said just whatever the first thing was that came off the top of his head. He's like, this is great. We should be right here and and, and give you a dwelling so you can stay here and give Elijah a dwelling so he can stay here and, and give Moses a dwelling so he can stay here. This is fantastic. And then they disappear. And he's left standing with Jesus. But we hear something incredible. We hear the voice of God that says, this is my beloved. Listen to him. Be attuned to what he's asking of you. So Peter gets an opportunity from going to not understanding Jesus' death to seeing the revealing part of what this means for Jesus, right? Like that is where holding these two texts together is so important because we hear the foreshadowing of Jesus' death and then we see the full revelation of the glory of God right together. We live in that in-between space of carrying our cross and living into the full glory of God. But what does God require of us? What does God require of us? To take up our cross, to lose our life. To what end? For the sake of the gospel. Because is the gospel meant to be kept to ourselves? I should see lots of head shaking. No. Is the gospel meant to be kept to ourselves? No. The gospel is meant to be shared. And it's not just shared visibly. It's not just shared verbally. 
It is shared through the visible witness of how we choose to live our lives. So where are our priorities? What are the obstacles that we have to identify and be willing to let go of so that we could truly live fully into the depths of God's love? Because of the willingness of God to go where God went for each and every one of us. So we're going to be in that space. We're going to say dumb things. We're going to live in the middle of this. And we're going to say more not-so-smart things, right? And then we're going to give each other looks of like, you didn't just say that. Would you like to rephrase that and try again? Because we're going to do that together. Because here's a glimmer of good news. We don't have to do this alone. Whether we are in a season of, of okayness, and I'm going to use okayness because I think that's kind of a neutral term. Maybe you are experiencing a place of things are going really well, but I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Or maybe I'm in the midst of something really, really hard and I'm suffering and I cannot make sense of this. Whatever those spaces are that you are living in, we're in this together. Because God is with us. Are we willing to take up our cross and enter into those spaces with each other? So that we can be life for each other. That's a hard thing to do. So I'm going to invite you this week to reflect on these two texts, to think about where are those hard places, what are those hard things that maybe Jesus is asking of you right now that you don't know that you are able to do that? Who might be able to walk with you? Who can be a prayer partner for you? So that you can grow. So that you can feel secure. So that you can feel the full depth of God's love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.